All right. Welcome, Relay. We are so excited to be here. I'm Lindsay Hine, joined with Marcus Brown, Matt Chittam, Tommy Runs, and Peter Bromka for our group chat. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Oh, man. Good to be here. Oh, missed you all. Going? When you say welcome, welcome, everybody, I thought you were talking to the people. I, I mean, I was. Okay. Oh, that's true. I was talking Opening to everybody. If we're in your ear, you're with us. All right, so we're going to kick this off with some Berlin chat. So let's start. Marcus and Tommy both ran the Berlin Marathon. How are you feeling? I feel good. No, I mean, I feel good. No, I, I want to hear your recap first because it's much more exciting than mine, um, you know, because you, you, you're star-studded and stuff. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel really good. Uh <laughs> I feel really good like seven days or eight days later. Um, I started, I ran a few miles last week um, and then ran Saturday and Sunday. So, I mean, I'm, I'm back up to like 20 something miles a week. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm curious, is this your coach's, um, I mean, you've spoken highly of your coach and did she yeah. recommend what you did or did you? This is always a period I find interesting. It seems like athletes kind of go rogue and do whatever they want, which is totally understandable. So, so, so the way the, the, the the relationship that me me and my coach have are, you know, I just randomly say shit. (laughs) Sorry, I forgot. I randomly just say stuff. And then she says, yeah, I think you could do that. Let's plan the way to figure that out. You know, Um, I've asked for things before that were like a hard no, like, I don't think that's a good idea. Um, but this one, she did not tell me to run on Wednesday or Friday, but I did. Friday was for my son though. It was, I ran with his cross country team, two miles from the school to the cider mill and they put me with the fast kids. So I was like at six twelve. Oh God. Did you push him down? Like you did in that anecdote you told us like last month, you just like throw him to the ground during that parenting, that parenting corner that we had. Well, Matt, it, it wasn't my kid. I mean, he was chilling. Friday was his easy day. Um, And I did not push the other kid down. And just for like the full story of it, I mean, it was a white kid. I can't push him down. (laughs) You know? Oh, man. I feel like you film all your runs. Do you film this? I feel like every every run that you do, there's someone, if not yourself, filming it. So maybe we need like video back. Well, I mean, it was other people's kids. It was other people's kids, too. I can't just be out here doing crazy stuff, Matt. But I feel pretty good, though. Um, I'm ready to go back to Berlin, like, next week. Let's do it. I want to see you running those 6, 12 miles on five-day post-marathon legs. It was strange. I actually felt decent. I mean, I don't think um, I don't think that I'd left everything out there in Berlin. Um, it felt like it in the moment, but I, I feel like I didn't do as much damage as I would have if I hit my goal time. How so, does that make you feel? It makes me feel sad and happy, you know? Um I talked to my mom a little bit. That was like a, a therapy question, Lindsay. That was, that was deep. How does it make you feel? It hit, it hit home. Um, you know, I, 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 feel, I feel okay about it. Like, I think I ran well given, like, whatever circumstances were given or I had that day. And I ran 250. So, I mean, it's, I'm not even remotely considering that that's, you know, not good. It just wasn't what I trained three months for, you know, but um, – but it is what it is. And if I find a bad day, I can do 250. I'm really happy with this journey so far. You know, when people say like, oh, the training cycle still counts. And like, you know what I mean? Like you're still yeah. built on that for your next race. Does that bother you or do, or does that give you like, okay, like you you buy into that? 
No, I buy into it. Like I don't. Um, I'm yeah, I'm like a no regret type of person. I mean, because everything kind of like leads to the next thing anyway. Um, so it's easy for me to go. Like, okay, well, it was a really great chain of block. I felt super fit going into it. I took a big swing or a swing, you know, starting off the race to where how I wanted to. It just didn't work out, and then I just know I'm that much stronger and just run it back, you know. I mean, because it's true, though. I mean, it's nothing. It's not a waste. There's no, I mean, even if you have a terrible, 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 terrible race, you still ran consistently and solid and put up some really good work for months. You know, like that doesn't go away. It doesn't make the race feel better. And the fact that you, you know, didn't have your day, that doesn't make it feel better. But it's it's just like hard facts. Like you, you're stronger than you were before you started this. Yep. yep. Yeah. So, yeah, Mar- Marcus, how are you feeling post uh, Berlin Marathon right now? Man, it's uh yeah, a lot to think about really. So yeah, Berlin was was wild. Um I know you all uh tease me for like now sort of saying now I have like Grant Fisher as my official pacer, to be honest. And that's the way I roll apparently, but that's not how I, <laughs> I move. Um I had an amazing opportunity with Nike to be part of this uh pacer program where basically you take elite athletes and they pace you. So obviously you can't get someone out of their uh, training block to run a full marathon, so most of them actually just ran probably half or just under half. Um, and we had like Paula Radcliffe there. We had like some incredible athletes there. So it's incredible for everyone involved. And it's really cool to sort of make the uh, amateur runners the focus, whereas usually the elite runners are the focus of the day. So, yeah, for me, that was an incredible opportunity. However, I would say that in the build up to a marathon, my, my uncle actually passed away probably like a week or so before. So that was really difficult to, to go into the race. So I had that my mind um so yeah i was thinking of him a lot during the race and sort of similar to you tommy i mean you kind of you know getting to the start line is just one of those things where you put a lot of effort into it and sometimes the day kind of goes your way or it doesn't go your way i think for me i had a minor injury that i was kind of managing through my training block and it actually sort of progressively got worse during the race so in the build-up i felt fine uh 16k onwards it just started to flare up and gave me a lot of trouble towards the end and a couple of sort of GI issues as well from about 17k to 42 and a bit k it was just like every step was thinking about that um and I know it's gonna sound really dark but I was just thinking of my uncle at that time I was thinking well he's not alive you are so just effing move to the end and you can think about all this at the end um still proud of the finishing time around 256 so I can't really complain about that but like similar to you Tommy like I trained for something else and I think it's also one of those things in a race where you know that the race isn't going to go your day so you can either accept it or you can complain um but like I said I had my uncle in my mind I was just thinking of him and he was like a really massive driving force to kind of get to the end so it wasn't even like a feeling of like relief it was just the fact of just like (laughs) out this hurt can now stop for this moment now I can just sort of move on to the next stage I love that I'm alive I keep thinking that when I'm working hard at stuff too. I'm alive. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. I think it was Kara that said something like being nervous and hurting and all that is like, it means you're alive. That's good. Yeah. I'm so sorry about your uncle. Marcus, I, I want to ask, oh, thanks, a, I wanted to ask you a question about working with that program. Mm-hmm. Like I'm trying to imagine what it's like to have those folks as pacers and like, then like you know like i i have a hard time like having like faceless anonymous people on the internet judging my running like it's a whole different thing to have like <laughs> grant fisher standing next to me 
and his job <laughs> is to judge my running because he has to base his pace on my running. Like, what what was that like? It was the most surreal thing that I think I've ever seen during a race. It's seeing a pro athlete next to you. And I was wearing like um, the Vaporfly 3s and they're wearing the Invincibles. You could tell that they're really holding back their stride. <laughs> and you're working hard in these super shoes and they're like it's an easy run for them so that was really weird to look and there's a moment where you sort of lose yourself you're like is this really happening am i really here this is all so weird and i had a lot of those moments like like when i was running with them so it was just an incredible feeling like you we, we usually say that say the difference between say like running or a regular sport say like basketball or football is that you don't get to play on the field with your heroes but this was an opportunity to do that so it was just an amazing experience to to be part of and yeah one i'll definitely always remember not one i never thought i'd have the opportunity to to have to be honest now that you've had some time to think about it mm-hmm. did that affect you at all like running next to someone that was just really out there cruising feeling easy and you're like dang i shouldn't be struggling right now if this person's like right next to me smooth rolling uh, not really. I mean, I ran up with them up to 16k, and I felt fine. I, I, it was really good because I actually didn't have to look at my watch. I didn't have to think about the pace. I just followed these guys. I was like, okay, as long as you're sticking to them, you're good. Um, yeah, and like I said, I had the issue with my my right tendon, and that just caused me a lot of issues from then. And then I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't stay with them. So, um, for the time that I ran with them, it was just an amazing experience. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that that aspect of the race also i would love to change the other aspects of the race but that's life tommy i would love to get your your perspective on how fast that course is marcus i'd love to hear you as well but you know you um you know tommy this is your mm. first time running berlin we hear all about like there are certain races that are just faster than others obviously berlin is one of those chicago is another one valencia from an international perspective is one that's always on the radar for being super fast so I know, Tommy, you didn't have like the day that you quite wanted, but at the same time, like you did finish the whole race, you still ran 250. How would you judge the course just from a speed perspective? Well, I mean, up until like this moment right now, I just like, it wasn't that fast. You know, like I didn't, I, did, I didn't have any moment where I was just like, man, this is just fast, you know? Um, but now that you said it though, maybe it is a little fast. I mean, I had a pretty rough last math. Hold on pretty rough like last like 16 miles you know so for for me to do like 250 still maybe it is pretty fast maybe it is a little easier to get going but i just didn't have a day where i could where i felt fast so it probably just maybe one day i'll go back and and hopefully have a better experience out on the course because i started i had like my first you know maybe rough patch around like seven or eight miles in and then kind of got through that, like kind of quickly, like what's going on? It, you know, my legs just felt heavier. And then by mile 10 or 11, it was just like, I'm not, I can't hold this pace. And it was, it wasn't like, oh, I, I never thought, you know, there was no moment where I'm like, man, I went out too fast because I trained for the paces that I started at. I just ran a, a half marathon four weeks before that at those paces and faster. And then if anything, you get out too hot, you don't blow up at like 10, you know, you blow up at like, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, you know? Um, but it was just, it was just a weird day. It felt heavy and just kind of made it through a few times. Just had to stop. And, and I, I couldn't help but like laugh a few different times. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't, it was like, you just had to laugh at the moment because it's like, maybe I hyped it up too much or maybe something. I don't know. Um, maybe it was the travel, whatever it is, but, 
it was like kind of laughable like this like this is happening i can't believe this you know did you do the safan hassan stop and stretch <laughs> i did a few so the funny part was in the moment where i knew i had to stop and stretch i'm like okay she did it i can do it too <laughs> and it didn't it didn't necessarily work out like it worked for her you know because she got right back to like five something pace and then ended up winning the race um i got back to my pace for like maybe the first 17 steps and then went back to the pace that I was at before the stretch. So just note to self, guys, like a note, like a note to everyone that's listening. Like if you watch professionals do something, chances are you probably can't do exactly like they do. But you know, you could try though for sure. I gotta ask you another question. So, so from things that day, as someone who's watching from afar, was like, you know, the, the headliners obviously like carried the day. The the broadcast was very focused on like the like on Elliot and the front of the women's race, there was no like, oh, we're checking in on these other runners. It was like, all right, like it was almost like a two camera model. It was like women's winner. I was like women's leader, men's leader. Yeah. And it's like, that was the focus. Obviously we saw a very, I mean, an unbelievably historic day uh, from a women's perspective with that, with that being the case, did it ever like filter back to either of you, like either through the crowd or like the people on the race course that something monumental was happening or was, or did you become aware of it after the fact? When I read it last year, it was when, um, obviously Elliot's obviously had the record as well. Um, and this year we had the female record as well, but you don't actually know until you cross the line. It's, it's not like being filtered through unless you know someone on the side and they're telling you. Um, so, I mean, going back to your earlier point as well about being a fast course as well. I mean, I think that proves it, you know, from the elite side. But if you're running it, it doesn't actually feel that fast when you compare it to, say, like a London. That If you look at the stats, I'll probably say, like, it's 30 seconds slower. But it doesn't necessarily feel like that because you've got quite a few undulations and the start. And at the end, there's quite a few turns. So you've got, I know Tommy will probably relate to this as well. There's quite a few left-right turns, left-right turns before you actually see the gate. Um, and then you can make that full final kick, which is still quite a long kick. So it's not like Boston, where it's it's fairly like there's not so many turns. There's only the only turns you know are the famous ones at the end. Um, so it's not like necessarily fast in the sense of you think pancake flat and just like a straight road. Um, and I'd say it's pretty similar to sort of Chicago, London as well. Um, you know, I, I think they're kind of ready to be close. I was going to say that I looked at so I tracked so many runners and followed so many people through the day that in general, I would say it was like a medium day. Like it wasn't like a hot day where, you know, the times were a drag or it definitely wasn't one of those days where across the board, you're like, oh man, people are just ripping it a new one. You're here we go. And then you're like, oh, except for Asefa, who just like somehow was running in a portal on of her own making because she was such an outlier from like everything would you would think was perfect because of how well she ran and how great she looked coming down the stretch um but if you set her aside i was like oh it was a day of like you know good not great running um you know even Elliot, you're like oh a little bit off okay solid <laughs> yeah but you had charlotte yeah. purdue as well um second fastest threat uh, marathon yeah, run of all time, great, so she had a, a great runner. performance, two twenty two. So not, yeah, not good enough. Not good enough for the Peter Bromka standard, Marcus. I mean, come on, not it's not. <laughs> no, yeah, no, the, no. In baseball, there's the Mendoza line, like hitting two hundred, <laughs> and oh, in marathoning, it's the, so the Bromka standard. And we're, we're we were almost there at at, at Berlin. <laughs> almost there. I mean, you can, there's a lot of runners. You can find anecdotal evidence of how I'm incorrect, but across the board, I was like, 
ah, good run. Ah, good run. Um, and then you're like, oh, Asefa. Okay. Blowing my brain. Let me put my head back together. And yeah, I guess you would have thought it was the fastest day in history. Um, so I think, I think what happened probably was every little ounce of like someone's race that wasn't going well, somehow she channeled that energy. Absolutely. And then like, use that as like a catapult. If I forward. had run Berlin and she could do that, she would have run 137 because she would have to take all of my disappointment <laughs> and turn it into literal rocket. Yeah. <laughs> uh. I mean, yeah, and I watched that back, though. I watched the race back, and she literally sat on her pacer, like, so He's close. Working hard. So she was working long. hard. Yeah. Yeah, like, she there was she probably felt It was like a track wins. race. Like, that's it was almost like what you see, like, on the track. That's how close she was to that dude the whole time. He, she was trying to, he was trying to actually get, not get rid of her, but have her, like, go. Like, okay, like, you got 2K left. Go ahead. Like, just go. Do your thing. And she would just follow him. He'd be off the blue line. She'd get she'd tuck in behind him, way off on the side. Like she was going way out of the way. Was to it stay that with dude's him. personal best as well? Like I was wondering, like at what point is this guy like I'm running my PR pace right now? Like finish that it up. Probably, yeah. He had to be like he had to be like a two hundred six two hundred six guy probably. Which is crazy. Yeah the the pacers they need the times they need to be ready for these days. Particularly, you know, uh, some of the women have gone out ahead of world record pace and slowed and still set it. But like some of those early paces are bonkers um and it's like who can be ready for I know, next next year they're gonna have secretariat as, as the pacer no i love I'll, I'll tell you what i was able to i didn't like set my timer to like set my alarm to like watch the race like live right but i was aware that it was happening so as soon as i woke up like i was like okay what's going on got to bring up the youtube channel let's go check this out when i brought up like the you know what i forget even what i'm assuming it was hideous mag or whatever like the the feed that i saw that what she ran i definitely like had to like triple take like wait what wait what hold on what you know like i definitely yeah, wait, had that moment like about? i knew who this was you know i knew that she ran 215 the previous year we talked about her on the berlin preview episode and i actually like tongue-in-cheek said like who's gonna win her or jared ward i did not expect them to be literally running next to each other in the final 10k of the race but yeah. it was like it was a, a wild moment um, but it, it, it really, it really was incredible to witness it, but it was fun even watching, even knowing what her time was watching it after the fact, still you're still it. watching it. Like, I can't believe this yeah. is happening, even though I already know what happens. It was like when you watch a movie, a scary yeah. movie, and then you're scared again, even though you've already seen the movie. <laughs> like how, how did I not know this was going to happen? But it was like such, it was just such a, uh, a unique and transcendent moment. You're like, I just, I just, just still can't believe what I'm watching, even though I know what's happening. I appreciated Jared's write-up on Instagram about his race because it pointed to, Tommy, sort of what you're talking about, which is like the moment you're having a race that's not the race you envisioned, and we can all talk sort of in abstract about A goals and B goals and C goals and how I like stay engaged. But like in reality, you're out there and it's hard and it's getting harder and the returns are diminishing because you realize like the things you really dreamed of are going away. Oh, but here comes the media truck and here comes the world record being set. And he had just basically admitted like he had hoped to run two minutes faster. He was probably en route to running a minute slower. And then this uh, pandemonium envelops him and he's like on international TV and he's like, wait, okay. Essentially discovering maybe I can run a little faster. Like maybe I can stay engaged and not just sort of slip, slip, slip. Fine, fine, fine. And then he's like, um, I got to get out of here. Like, I don't want to get, um, and so, I mean, I, 
it was a combination of things like res- to respectfully get out of the shot, to not get posterized for history, to uh, just like move along his way. I think that's a good lesson for all of us. Like if there's something else that snaps you out of that kind of downward spiral, it could be really helpful. I love that. You, the way you talked about that at the beginning, it was like a Peter Bromka essay. I was like, this is so beautiful. <laughs> well, this actually happened to me last year at CIM. I, uh, Paige Stoner rolled up on me and there was this really sick realization that the there's a man on a motorcycle with a video camera and he's right in my face because Paige is coming up on my shoulder. And I realized like the only people who would be watching the USATF.TV live feed, I probably know. So I'm like, like about to wave to these people, like, what's up guys. I am actually trying here. And then someone's like, some, someone behind me was like, let's help her out. And you're like, help her out. She's winning the national championship in the marathon and I'm getting rolled up here. Like, I think she's doing fine. Like, let me mansplain the marathon to, you know, the top female in the race right now. No, I'm good. I'm just going to, so I actually ended up next to the, uh, motorcycle. And I just said to him, like, I'm trying to get out of here. Like I'm, but it was similar. It was like, not feeling good. Wondering about blah, blah, blah. Here it goes. I'm like writing the sad song in my head. And then I'm like, maybe I could get up and get out of this broadcast. <laughs> that would be a micro win on a day that I am not at my best. So uh, did you cross on before Jared. page? Yeah, I crossed before yeah. page, and CIM does a wonderful job of uh, two finish lines. So Aww. they don't they don't mess with their. They're like, hey, you guys, get out of here! Like, get, get out of here. here! Yeah, yeah, come on. The show's over here. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. All right, should we start the hot take segment of the <laughs> the podcast? Well, before we when when when, when are we going to start the Berlin slash Boston hot take segment of this recap episode? Because we know we're going to get there at some point. So. The thing I've been telling people is, objectively speaking, as a service provider, if you have 33,000 customers and you send home 11,000 of them disappointed, (laughs) (laughs) like deeply disappointed, like you got an issue, like something, maybe we could approach it in a different manner. So the Boston Marathon, as we, many people listening know, sent out their notification that you had to be five minutes and 29 seconds under your age uh, and sex standard. And it was, it was controversial. It was a couple of days of a uh, hard fought emotion. What'd you, what'd you guys all think? Yeah. Say the least. Whew. Well, well, a couple of weeks ago we talked about this cause I was like, Oh, should I try to run Boston? And I only qualified by two and a half minutes. So I'm one of the people that did not get in. How do you um, feel about this? Oh, I think it's fine. I mean, I, but I also am a little scared to talk about it because I feel like people will be like, well, you've already run it. So, of course, you think it's fine, you know. Um, but I think it's fine. I didn't run fast enough. I, I did get the standard, but, like, they can only let a certain number of people in. And I wasn't one of the fastest people. So I didn't get in. And I'm still going to, like, probably go for work. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm not mad about not getting in. I actually, though, you guys. I'm like the most uneducated running dork you've ever met. When I saw 35,000 people applied, I thought they took 33. And then Glenn was like, no, they take way less than that. What are you talking about? Because I was like, oh, if only 2,000 people aren't getting in that applied, my two and a half minutes should be good. 
And he's like, no, it's like 11,000 people, Lindsay. <laughs> so then I was like, oh, okay, that two and a half minutes probably isn't good. But um, yeah, I have lots of feelings and um, I'm a little bit scared to talk about it because the internet will be violent. Well, there's, a, I also want to point out, I don't think, how do I say this? There's a lot of jerks in the world. A bunch of them really like the internet. And so I just don't want to give too much weight to the jerky things. Like we can all mm. find a guy who's like, I think the women's standards easier than the men's standard. And I'm like, okay, that guy's existed for a long time. Um, every but it year. is easier, Peter, by the way. <laughs> Matt, I mean, this is where like, okay. Um, but you're just like, you know, finding that guy and screenshotting and being like, this guy's a jerk. Therefore men are jerks. Therefore runners are jerks. Therefore yeah. all Boston participants are jerks. You're like, that's a lot. That's a big leap you did there. Or like spot the line, um, spot the line. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm just like, oh, um, or the people who are like, you know, when anyone gets turned back, you're like, wait for it. Wait for it. Okay. There's the guy who's going to trash on the charity runners. And <laughs> They've been doing it for 20 years and we've never appreciated this guy's take. Um, but thank you very much. I'm just throwing men under the bus. I'm sure there's women who are also sort of petty when it comes to their emotions, but like, it's a lot, it's hard. People really, that it was enough, it was enough minutes that I realized I had to reach out to quite a few people who had told me their mm. success stories. Mm. Like this is, you know, my epic run at the whatever marathon where I came through two minutes under and I was like, that's amazing. And that should be enough of a buffer to get you in. It's going to be wonderful. And so it was like a couple of days of reaching out to people and realizing like, mm. huh, where do we go from here? Yeah. I mean, it's a really big number, you know, like it, it's, it's, um, it's like, it just seems to be like, I understood this, the seven minutes was a lot in uh twenty. 21 right or 2021 that was a a lot but they but it also was a much smaller field and then it also like didn't i think the the time period that they were letting in to apply for too because it was like yeah so i understood the seven thousand i mean the seven minute but this one was like it was kind of a shock a little bit i mean because i obviously like i i'm a fan of i'm a fan of the the concept of like trying to qualify for Boston. I mean, that was what part was one of my, like in the beginning before I knew about any of all this stuff was like, you know, I, oh, I would love to qualify for Boston. And that kind of was the impetus for a lot of this stuff. Um, so I like the, the, the stepping up and trying to go qualify for something. Um, but then I also hear some of the things that other people are saying that is that it just seems like, um, the race could do more to not like satisfy like certain you know people, but they could do more to make it just a touch more inclusive or some some type of step in a direction of inclusivity. Not saying scrap the whole thing, make it like New York, and because people are pointing out like, well, New York has qualifying times, but New York is ma- is mainly lottery, so it's like it doesn't really matter if you qualify for it or not. I mean, you you get it automatically, but it's not like it's not set up like Boston, but I just feel like there's something that could be done that isn't because it also would offend a, a, a set group of people that were like, well, you don't deserve to get in if you didn't do what I did. Because I think that that's the, that's the problem is I don't know if it's, I know a lot of people are upset right now with the five minutes in, in, in their, 
their dream of, of running this race is will have to wait until another year. But I think it's also that the, 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 the certain set of people that are meeting any change with like this idea that saying someone else should, could also be there in a different way is like less deserving of you or what you did to get there. Like I've qualified twice or three times. So if someone else next to me is running on a charity bib or a, or a new open lottery position, I don't care. Like, great. You know, that's, I think that's the problem is that people on the other side really care that no one else gets in. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily the race per se. Like, it's just what the culture that is kind of met, like, because you hear people talking to you, you mentioned the charity thing. I've heard people say out loud, like, you know, walking in Boston, like somebody said something about like something really bad about charity runners. And I'm like, you're here, you qualified, you're going to run. What is the, where's the energy, where's that energy come from? And it's only a certain, there's only a few places that can come from. And I think that's really the problem for me is that type of person yeah. that pushes against simple, normal conversation. I think as well, people forget that Boston is fairly restricted in terms of its size. So you've got one start line, which is very small. When you look at Berlin, you've got one start line. But Tom, you've seen it like that yeah. is a massive road. Um, when you look at London, you've got multiple start lines. New York, you've got multiple start lines. Boston is restricted in, and I'm not a, a Boston PR person, I say this, by the way, um, in terms of just like, how many people they can get to the start line mm. and how many people they can get through the towns at a certain point. And like when we all apply, like, it does tell us that your, your time may not be enough to get you into that space, you know, into that race. And I think what sort of upsets me as a runner as well, is just like the people that don't get in, they then start picking other people saying, well, you're not deserving to be here. Like I've heard mm. people say to me like, well, you're an international runner. Why should you run it? In London, it only qualifies, and London should run it. Well, that's the rules, and I qualified, so I didn't make the rules, you know? Um, I think as adults, we need to kind of learn to really, I say, as adults, um, <laughs> you know, we've just got to be more respectful of other people, you know, like other people's journeys. And I've spoken to so many people that are charity runners that deserve to be there. Um, have had some incredible journeys and done some incredible things and raised a lot of money. So I don't think that they are less deserving to be there than someone who's got a red bib. Um, I have a hot take the opposite direction, which is, well, Tracksmith just posted a quote from years ago saying, this is not a jogging race. Um, and the idea being that it's Boston is for racers. You show up and you try your hardest. I have gotten increasingly annoyed with there are runners who will just sign up and then go jog Boston. And that to me starts to be on an edge of like, Hey man, there's a lot of people who would really love to be part of this race. And I'm not saying you have to, you know, run so hard that you might pass out like at mile 12 and just go for broke. But I think when people, and then social media really amplifies this. So it's like, it's, there's always been probably people who are like, oh, I didn't have the perfect buildup or I wasn't in proper form to just give it my all. Um, but I think there's a lot more to be commended at any pace if you're giving your all than if you're, <laughs> how, do I, how, how do I say this? Like posting reels 
from the race during the race or, you know, documenting your experience in a way that's like, hey, look at me, here I am. Um, I get to move through this thing that's really important to a lot of people, but I'm just sort of taking it easy. I'm like, no, that to me is um, where you, there could be some social pressure of like, hey, it's a real honor to get into this. And there's people who are just on the outside and they would love to be here. Let's all try our hardest. I, I remember in 2014, it was a little bit of a warm year. It was a pretty nice year, but it was the year after the bombing. And like the announcers were like, we're all going to finish. Mm. Everyone's going to finish. You know, this is a historic year. So there have been times when really the community pushed everyone to like try their hardest and not make it a like, well, I, I'm in there. I've seen guys who will jog from, this is just stuff that gets under my skin. They'll jog from Boston to Hawkington and then jog it back as a 20, you know, as a, a double marathon day that they are able to do is training for something else. And I'm like, get out of here. Like, get out of my race. <laughs> like I'm here with people from two hours to five hours to six hours, like trying our hardest. And you're like, look at me, I'm jogging. And I'm like, geez. Um, and it's because there is history to the race and because there's also a cutoff. Um, there's just a lot of races you can participate in when your spot is not taking anyone's spot. I mean, yeah, wow. I, I accept that bit about the history. And but just going back to that jogging point, I don't think that's many people's main thing that gets them wrinkled in this episode of What's Got You Wrinkled today. Um, <laughs> I think the main thing that gets people upset is that they're saying that other people are, are taking their places. And, I, you know, that's a second and third degree conversation, which I think really needs to be investigated deeper to honest rather than yeah. whether you could you could you can't really sort of say are you jog are you jogging or are you running less effort than someone else because that's you know that's it, the main it's, thing it's, i feel like it's so many conversations um come like leading to this point and then so after two years of not having uh a buffer or at all no cutoff at all and everybody that applied got in um and it was a lot of conversation going on over the last couple of years anyway, then for it to now be a five minute and, you know, was it 20, whatever, 29 seconds. It's like, Oh, you just verified everything we've been saying that's wrong with the race. And not only did you, are you, you know, not only did you not hear as a race, not only did you not hear what we've been saying, then now it's even bigger, a bigger number than it's ever been outside of like an odd small year. Um, but what do you mean? What do you mean what we've all been saying? No, like what, like, so there's been, you know, like there's just been people talking about inclusivity and the, the ways to, to change things and get more, get the, get the field more, um, more like more diverse, like as in from, you know, from you know, every, every race to, to eth you know, ethnicity and gender or whatever. Right. But it's like, and those are big conversations and like to the point where like Boston, even you know, BAA actually like had sit downs with, with people that were pushing in and, and trying to make those changes. And then for the next year, I know that it, it I, I'm aware, or I feel like I'm aware that there's certain things that have to be taken in consideration, like the, like the size of the course and Hopkinson and all that stuff and the cities that they go through. But it just, it's almost like, Oh, that was all for nothing. You know, like it's it it would feel like that. Like if you talk to somebody for two years about doing something, and then like, oh yeah, we're gonna do it, and then all of a sudden it's like worse than it was before. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, well that that that's so that's I think that's a lot of this is bubbling up, and so there's like twenty different conversations going yeah. on. Yeah, so but many layers. One, 
But I think we've got to stop dumping on the the charity runners, though. Like, I, I really want that oh, yes, narrative no. to like. I don't think I'm not saying you guys. I'm not, I'm not saying you guys no are doing one it. Here but, like, is. Yeah, yeah, no one here is. Yeah, I'm not saying you guys are, but it's just a, a thing that I see come up so often, and it's just like I think it's so disrespectful in a sport Agreed. where you don't know what that means to that person to complete their race, what doors it may open for them in their life moving forward. It's just like, can we just like move beyond the, this kind of narrow, this narrow kind of perspective? Yeah. Hold it's on. I want to mention one thing real quick so, before I, I got to get going. Um, yeah. Well said, Marcus. And, and, you know, the thing is so many of these races that are extremely popular are in a position where they have to make hard decisions. And I don't think there's any perfect way of handling any of this stuff. And I think reasonable people can differ mm on how they would approach it if they were organizing a race like this. And the reasonable minds can differ even greatly on how they would approach this, even if they were, again, being trying to be reasonable and were doing things on the up and up and they were had their heart in the right place. Right. With that said, it's just super hard. But I like the fact that so many different races approach this differently. I like the fact that London mm. and Berlin and New York and Boston and so many other races have different ways of going about this. I'm glad it's not just like one uniform way that's approached it, even in like in the trail and ultra world. Right. Like Western states is almost completely lottery, even though it's like it's supposed to be like the, the best, like the most challenging, uh, the best field in America. Like it isn't. It's almost all lottery with like a couple people with golden tickets. So I think it can get really tricky. I think it's unfortunate when people just assume bad faith on some of these organizations because it, it gets really hard. Some of these questions are incredibly hard and there's no perfect way of doing that. As long as like they keep, I feel like as long as a organization shows that they're willing to continue to try to improve things. And I don't know if Boston is or isn't, I'm not going to say they are, but if it seems to be trying to do that, then that's good. I think you look at the qualifying standards of the last 40 years, they've obviously tried to change things over time. But I will say this, I have an idea in terms of something that they could do to make things better is that whether it's like over one year or maybe two year span, if someone's in that qualified but not accepted group. So this year, there was roughly 11,000 people. Again, it's not Boston's fault. They didn't they didn't know how many people were going to qual who were going to apply to the race. Right. Like not everyone who qualifies for Boston applies to Boston. Right. Like they didn't know there was going to be 33,000 people that were going to apply. But say, say that group this year was 11,000 people, which is an enormous number. If someone's in that group, but then apply, but then qualifies for Boston again next year and applies, that they get an automatic entry. Or maybe it's two years in a row being in the qualified but denied group. So that, that, that kind of that, that central bucket that we keep talking about of people, if you're in there, like, say, one year or maybe two years in a row, and then again, you qualify for the race and you apply to get in that it's like almost like the Western States lottery. If you like the more times you enter the lottery, tickets. the more like the more tickets you have in the lottery. Right. So like someone who's been in it for eight years has more tickets than someone who applies for one. If you're in that group of applied, I'm sorry, qualified, but denied, there's almost like an auto basically like once you do that, once, once yeah. or two years in a row, again, you have to qualify again. But if you're in that group, then you can kind of get into the race as like as a way around this. Because I feel bad for people who maybe get stuck in that middle zone a couple of years in a row. I don't know if that's the best thing, but I feel like it might that might be helpful for certain people. I like the idea. It does make break my brain a little bit to be like, oh, he got in after two with two minutes, and I'm four minutes, but he it was his second time, and like it starts. I mean, I think it's this. I wanted to go for a moment just 
I don't know how who would know this, but it feels like if this many people are applying with BQ times, it's like what we're seeing is this huge rising of all boats coming out of the pandemic and just so much participation and so many people running fast and people are like, it's all the shoes. And I'm like, okay, but there was no way to predict this. Like they, they didn't have this issue for two years in a row and it's the same shoes. Like this is, there's no way, there's no way that for anyone could to predict that there was going to be that many people that applied this year compared to the two, like last year. Yeah, no, it's nuts. Well, so I, so, so, the year, so I th- I think the best, I think the best way to go about making this a little different and like it would be a, a cool step in the right direction, um, is keep the cutoff, keep the cutoffs kind of where they where they are. I mean, keep that thing there because there's a set of us that really in, enjoy, I guess you could call it that thing, right? Totally. Um, and then there's then there's the the charity bibs, um, which is super admirable and amazing because some people probably come out of pocket if they don't raise the whole amount of money and then they pay way more than any of us and probably actually get into the race. Um, but then if you like go back and look at the field sizes, right? So like 30,000 seems to be like the sweet spot. And then even like in 2020, the the weird year, it was 31.5. But if you go back to like 2014, there was 36,000 in the race. So like pick a random number that's like over 30,000 pick like 33 or 33 and a, and a half and and then lottery off the other lottery off that lottery yeah. off the other stuff and then god forbid um there's a lottery person next to you and you're, and you're be uh, kind like you know either be kind or or if you lottery unfortunately you have to go you, you can't start in the corrals with people that qualify Mm. Oh man, and that's another. That's another nuance. I mean, man, the No, no. I think I like your idea. What I feel like I'm. We see though is people try so hard for this, and it's so important to them that it does bring out like these emotions it's, that are not our it, best emotions. You know, mm. um, I've heard people say. Uh, I I saw people post online like I was a charity runner, but it was dangerous and i lobbied to get moved up to the qualifier field because i was oh thr- you know, about to trip mm. on all these people and i'm it's like not dangerous oh, though Come you'll be all on. right like run okay, down the road. what's dangerous I- is it was dangerous is you charity bibbed in which is fine but then you tried then you still went there with a goal to run 250 and yeah. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be dangerous for you and everybody else around you so, I mean, maybe don't put the lottery in the back. Whatever I'm saying. I'm just thinking, yeah. I think that there's a way to, to to up that a little bit. I don't know why they lend that 30000 I'm sure that there's like a company, you know, like a, a, a thing with the cities that they go through and all that stuff. Yeah. But I am sure, like, I, I just feel like I'm sure that, I mean, maybe 2014 was a weird year because that was the year after the bombing. So maybe all, all the cities were like, mm. cities, yeah, all the cities were More like, hey, we don't in. care. Let's make it happen. Um but I just think that there's a number that that could make it a little different, um, and it would be a step in a, in a different direction. And I, and maybe that's as good as it gets. I don't know. I've got two things I'd probably add to that as well. I think we're forgetting the training aspect that the pandemic years have had for a lot of runners. Where actually, because a lot of runners probably over race, and we've had the time to train, so that's had a massive impact. Plus the shoes I know people want to talk about. But then I think also need to think about if you look at other races. If you look at London, they almost publicize the fact that 
over half a million people apply for the ballot and hardly anyone gets a place and everyone loves it yet they all complain but keep applying the following year it's the same for boston like they complain but they still apply so like <laughs> we all the thing is like if everyone didn't run the race they would all get in <laughs> oh yeah so we need to start, like start convincing like, our no friends no one goes yeah. to that club it's too busy yeah. over yeah. that there. So we need yeah. to like convince all of our running friends and not to apply to Boston so we can all get in. Y'all, I've yeah. been trying to say something for like 20 minutes. I'm going to talk. I think that Tommy's solution is a really good idea. And if there was any other way to do it, I, I like that. Can I also say, this is, aside from the elite field, a race for amateur runners to chase goals and have fun and work hard. And is it so terrible that we have one race that you have to qualify for? Like, okay, like I love to play pickleball. I love to lift weights. I am never going to be strong enough or good enough at pickleball to be in some big tournament. Like I'm not good at, I'm not fast. I'm not like strong enough or I, good is probably not the right word. I don't want to get canceled, but you know what I mean? Like, Wait. is it so bad to say that there's one race that you just have to run fast to get into? It's been nice knowing you, Lindsay. <laughs> I mean, I'm. See- I mean, and it's been nice to have you as a member of Relay. <laughs> yeah, well, this is aside. All- this is aside from the charity bibs. Like, I'm all for the charity bibs. I'm all for raising millions of dollars for charity. I'm just talking about getting in outside of the charity bibs. Like, why can't you just have to qualify? I cancel me. I don't know. No, no. I think it also speaks to there's the moment you pop out of Boston being an option. It's actually harder to point at what other. People use it as a goal. That's awesome. I wish there were more things that captivated our excitement as much. I mean, even some of my athletes I'm helping coach, I'm like, oh, a really another awesome spring marathon that's incredible and the whole community rolls up for and will really push you through the winter for. We're going to have to like look around because it's there aren't obvious options. Whereas in the fall marathon season, there's quite a few marathons that people really get excited for and I think are worthy of your you know, investment throughout the whole season. Um, it's, it's tough. Uh, the spring season is weird and it's all a whole bunch of reasons, but I, I, yeah, I'm obviously biased towards it being okay to have an amateur championship for an activity. And I think broadening it to your point, um, if it was, if there is a American pickleball players, you know, (laughs) tournament, I'm not making the team. I'm just telling you, I'm not making the team. Maybe people roll up. Um, I mean, my big thing, (laughs) I think people conflate that maybe my unpopular opinion is I'm like, there's a whole bunch of things that are elitist about paying a bunch of money to run a big city marathon. And anytime I'm flying across the country to do that, it's a total reminder of my privilege and my standing in society. I don't think Boston is any more like particularly elitist than golf or tennis or pickleball or cycling or these things that people skiing like getting into that's, these things that's scandalous. i think we i wonder if the question is we aspire <laughs> how do to we be measure that better yeah i i mean i yeah i don't know so i i think there's all sorts of other activities that um deserve to be exciting and inclusive i think qualifying for a race it's just only one I mean, part of so, it yeah yeah no i i agree though i mean like i said i agree I, that's what i said i'm i don't i don't mind the fact that that i have to try to qualify and I don't, I don't mind that the when I tried to do this the first time I 
people were like, hey, bro, like <clears throat> try to run at least three, four minutes faster if you can. Like p- plan for that if you if that's uh, a possibility. Mm. You know, like everybody kind of trains mm-hmm. with this this thought of maybe there's a buffer. Got to try mm-hmm. to get in there. People will run like 20 seconds under their under their time and they go like, I don't know, though. Like, you know, we'll see. Maybe it's another year where there's no cutoff. But so that there is a thing there that, like I said, you know, some people enjoy. Um, and it is elitist just the concept of you know berlin like I, I it's not lost on me that like i was just in berlin germany running a marathon um you know and that that felt surreal for me to be you know to come from I'm not saying i came from like the bottom of the you know the barrel but it was like just for coming from like where i'm from where people like that look like me don't do this um it is crazy for that to have happened um, and even if I just was running Chicago marathon, it still is like the concept of a, of a black dude from the Detroit area, like running the, the Chicago marathon is crazy. Um, and so just wanted to like, I just want to bring it to like the, there is a, there, that's the reason why I figure if there's a way to, to wrap to, to lottery something, you know, even if it's a small number that seems like it's a slap in the face it's a still still a small step in the right direction because even if that like let's just say for you know for just for argument's sake there's 1000 lotteries and 1000 of them are all white people it just happens that way with you that would be like hey it is what it is but the mm-hmm. point is that there's an opportunity for people who who have started running and did not start running in in middle school and high school and didn't have the maybe luxury of like seeing people around them run um for health and for activity and for fun um it would be nice to say like well i have a chance at this because there's some people that are just like i'm never gonna have a ch- like i won't have a chance just because i'm lucky i started running at 33 years old and i'm able and i'm like i'm able to do this and and most people that start at 33 can't like just somehow that just doesn't work out for them right and so, like, I, I I hear the arguments of like there needs to be some type of change to make a, a step in a direction to make this very special because it is a special race. Like, I mean, let's just I don't know what they did and what, where the where the magic dust comes from or whatever, but it's it's been a it's it's a special race and maybe you know the history of the race and even 20, 2013 makes it even more special. You know, um, and it would be nice for some people to even have a small chance at the, a hope of that happening. You know. Um, and I still would say that if, you know, if there's a cutoff of 529 or seven minutes next year, you know, I'm not talking about that. Like, that's something different. There has to be an equation for that. And I understand that. Um, but I think there should be something or could be something done to make it a possibility for some who did not have the luxury of doing what we're, what we're doing, you know? I, yeah, I totally agree with you there, Tommy. I also think you're not just lucky i think you're a really hard worker <laughs> oh yeah no no i'm in the, but i mean like lucky with like the yeah you know with the, the innate ability the yeah. physical ability to be able to swing that you know because there's people who are like because i was i gave five so i, went, I ended up getting um kind of like not lost but the the uber dropped me off in a weird spot we couldn't get back to our hotel in berlin so i had to cross over the course and so i think i was like right in the four thirty to five hour marathon intersection and I just stood there for like 20 minutes, like giving people high fives and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of hit me that, you know, some people were walking, some people were jogging, some people were looking like they were really going through it at at that pace. And I'm like, well, I mean, I work very hard to get to the times that I get to, but that doesn't mean that shift that three hours backwards 
that that person is also not working as hard. And I'm not saying you're saying that either, but it's like, sure, it's it's like there's it, it's a like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and if yeah. I'm not talking about the cutoff, even I'm okay. I guess I'm okay in a way, but I just feel like there's there should be some small chance that somebody could experience this thing because it is amateur race. It isn't like people are saying like, hey, I want to go to the Olympics too. You know, yeah, yeah. that's stupid. <laughs> You know, like yeah. that's dumb. Like, let's just leave that. But <laughs> you know, it's 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 an amateur race, and it just seems like it'd be a way for like the, some of that magic of like doing that. It you know, it's it, it could be a big deal for people. Do you all do you all think that they're considered do they would consider doing that the lottery? And so, and that's another thing. I'm sorry. So I don't I don't want to hijack the conversation, but I don't think so though because in mm. and that's part of the part of the problem. I don't think it's necessarily BAA, but it's that it's let's just call him like Bob, right? It's Bob. <laughs> Damn it, Bob. Bob's, yeah, it's very man. close Bob. to BAA. Yeah. Bob, Bobby Bob. BAA. Yeah. Bobby it's BAA. Bob, so it's Bob though. Like the person that like has qualified for the last, you know, 10 years and feels a, a, a way about other people getting into mm. that race in a different way than he did. And, or as if, it takes something from his achievements to be there also. Like, that's the problem. Like, and uh, so I've talked to Alice and Mariela De Sierra a ton of times, and it always circles back to like the people that are like meeting charity runners with like this weird anger. And, and then also like other people with the thought of maybe there being a thousand people extra that didn't do what you did. It's like, you're here, bro. And, what's the problem you know like right. it doesn't yeah who else who cares expression of that was in 2020 when there was the virtual race and there was ir oh around God. and then also in 21 like in 21 it was the most beautiful thing i ever saw i went to the race uh for monday and on sunday people were running the course from hopkinton as virtual runners and people are hooting and hollering on the sidelines like um you know here comes another person who printed out their own bib and mm -hmm. is running 26 miles self-supported from Hopkinton. I'm like, that is a win, 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 win. And some people, anyone who like in those instances, like, well, I just don't know. I just not mm -hmm. sure how I feel about that. You're like, please step aside. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, if you don't, if so like, I mean the virtual thing, like, I guess I don't care, but then it's, it just seems like, why would you, if you're not into it and you don't want to hold a medal because it's only it's virtual and you didn't really run the Boston thing, that is totally on you, bro. Like, <laughs> like if, you know, some some people wouldn't pick up a ten dollar bill off the ground. I would, <laughs> you know, like chill out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like what? You got, yeah, it's like what I tell my kids every day. Stop worrying about what your brother's doing. Worry about what you did. Like, you know, it's like basic. It really does feel like yeah. a, I, I coach a third grade boys soccer team, and you're like, uh huh. Like some of this behavior, yeah. like, yep, yep. I saw, I see that on the soccer field. Yeah, yep, a hundred percent. Um, I wanted to make one more comment about Peter's comment. I have jogged the boston marathon peter shame um, shame this is the second time you're getting canceled in one episode i know <laughs> but listen i was like eight months postpartum and i had qualified and i wanted to run so i was like i'm gonna run but i was in no physical shape to do anything but 
jog, you know? And so I ran the race and I, I, this was before COVID. I like kissed a girl at Wellesley. I took Instagram stories. I was like all over it. I inadvertently so. called you out. Um, yes, of all people. I love this it. This is great. No, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, people could be like, Peter, shove it. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, I think it, I think it's all, it's all just circumstantial, right? Like the reason I did that was like, I was just doing everything I could to like get one twenty miler in before the race. And I think and I like thousands of stories that are all yes, converging exactly. on the day, you know, like any number of my friends have just injured themselves beyond belief and are like, well, yeah, there's a, also the go. other thing you yeah. can't, it's not like a, um, you know, like a concert ticket you can sell. You don't say like, well, I'm going to drop out so someone else can move up. Unfortunately, that'd be but that, too complex. Yeah. But that, um, well, I also made a comment that I think that the women's standards are too soft and I'm getting like eaten alive on my Instagram, but I still think that. And, um, I am thinking through that some more, like, cause I'm like, oh yeah, like childbearing years, like that's going to slow you down here and there. Right. Oh, but yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like the argument, uh, explanation of that is just that they set some of these differences between men and women when way fewer women were racing marathons and there was yeah. more of a gap is my understanding. Yeah. Um, I think Matt is, didn't he talk about he, the rambling runner podcast coming up where he's diving deep on all the numbers with like with BAA Laura, I stats. Think. Okay. Yeah. Um, Cause I don't so know all that either. Yeah. There's a lot to dissect. Yeah. From a pure performance standpoint, I would think 320 would be more equivalent to three hours, like 320 for women, three hours for men. Um, but there's a lot more layers to that, apparently, that I'm – there's a lot more nuance to that that I'm missing. I just think I'm blown away when I realize how much meaning is out there in the world that's a, that's generated by these standards um, that really gets a lot of – you know, they finish – a marathon they finish two marathons and as a runner you're like maybe i could shoot for that bq and it's yeah so it's super inspiring and then it cuts right back the other way when it's mm -hmm. like oh you had to run over five minutes faster than the time we told you i told someone i'm like if i was coaching you i wouldn't have said hey shoot for six minutes faster <laughs> yeah. than the time like it's just so much more um that you go like oh dear because i know people who ran valiant races they kicked it in hard and they got under the bq time that was listed for them and it's just it leaves them disillusioned so yeah and then there's and then there's that thing where like you know some people were like well why don't they just change the um the qualifying times and i'm like but if they did that like a year ago how many people wouldn't have gotten in last year you know like there was no time like there was yeah. no cut no cut -off, it's a very no confusing buffer. That's why I led off with saying, like, yeah. from a customer service perspective, they need to maybe just create a process by which it feels better because rejecting a, a third of your customers is, is a rough way. Marcus, I, I will say that the, the lotteries, I'm yeah. left a little befuddled. I'm like, people are like, don't you want to run London? And I'm like, I'd love to run London. I can't. I'm having trouble personally, emotionally getting invested in like this crazy lottery system where I don't know if I'll get in and people are like oh but you might have a time for it and i'm like ah, yeah so it, I, I think it can cut both ways what the moment i saw that the lottery for london didn't even ask me to put my credit card down i was like wow i'm not winning this lottery like all i had to do is click it took me five seconds like they're not yeah. even asking that i you know put money on the line or something well you know boston yeah. charged that card the second i applied i was like they better be reimbursing that <laughs> yeah 
That's how Glenn, that's how my husband found out I even applied. He was walks uh, in and he's like, "Oh, I see, I see oh. some activity on Chase over here. Are you going back to Boston, you big dork?" <laughs> big dork. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, I know we sort of covered this quite a lot, but I mean, I think like we've all said, like Boston is an emotive subject. Everyone's worked hard to earn their BQ, and you know, I, I just feel like the argument where it's at the expense of someone else uh, we've talked about charity runners you talk about uh, people that run it multiple times uh, but boston actually celebrate people that do run it i mean if you look at berlin they've got the jubilee club for people that run it 10 plus times in london you've got the ever presence okay fair enough london doesn't have the history of um of boston i mean if you could run every boston you mean you'd be you'd be <laughs> you'd be doing very well to it but um, <laughs> there's not many like ever presents left from the london marathon and uh. i think that argument of like there's people running at multiple times stealing the places from other people i don't think that's a big enough number to be significant and i think boston are trying to do their best by sharing the numbers and i think if any of us did a job i think we'd all get heat from it because like we were saying there's the demand and there's the numbers that they can do. And also they've got the places like for the sponsored places, they've got all their, you know, um, you know, the clients that they work with, that they've got to sort of satisfy as well. So I think it's a very difficult job. I don't think it's as simple as like, just because you're qualified, you should get a place um, because I just don't think they have, you know what I mean, especially if you've got too many people applying. So I think it's a very difficult job. And I think we all need to remember that like if we were doing the job, I'm not sure any of us would do a better job than what they're doing right now. Oh, and yeah, good point. Like, think about all those sponsor bibs that are going out and like all those people that are like, I'm running the Boston Marathon mm. with Almond Breeze. You know, I mean, there's a lot of influencers. Well, I'm like, maybe I need to find a brand to run with because uh, I, I mean, I see got in. I see got milk doing a bunch of stuff or whatever. And I'm like, I saw them at New York city. Yeah. yeah like, I'm like, where's almond breeze at yo? Like, yeah. Almond breeze. I know a couple people who ran with almond breeze before. This is um, real. <laughs> yeah. For real. Hey, give me a contact, man. I need, I need, I need. <laughs> and then you know, like, what about like, I, go through? I mean, these things are crazy. Did I tell you I've been wanting, I've wanted to run the London marathon. I've had people mm. from England message me and be like, Oh, I'll sign you up as part of my local club because that's a different pool and we can get you in. And I'm like, oh, that's going to go over real well if I like, <laughs> like find a backdoor pretending I'm British. Like, He's sweet. not British. Check his accent. Oh, that's funny. Uh, but it's the, thing, the lengths people will go to. Yeah. I just, I think we've covered it enough. I just don't want to spend too much time on people's people being jerks online. You know? No, like, no, no, no. no. I totally get that. I just also, I'm just like, like it's really it's just it's just a race like but i did like tommy to your point sorry i keep circling back when i spoke with allison about the boston marathon what she definitely opened my mind to was like listen this is always evolved it's got to keep evolving let's keep evolving mm. like it it's not throw it all out and you know go a totally different direction but like there can be nuances there can be new programs That's a great point um and they're like that was like oh yeah great point I mean, so yeah, subtle changes, but then I think that I, it, yes, and that needs to happen, and it does need to evolve. Everything evolves, everything changes, right, or should. But I think that the biggest thing is, and why this conversation gets so crazy and all that, and that's why I think like the five twenty nine just throws it back into like the the orbit is is like is the certain the certain people that meet this with like this anger. Hmm. against anybody suggesting that this does evolve into something mildly different, hmm. you know? Hmm. And 
then that gets people that feel like, yo, like, you know, you don't say that I'm less than you. And it, it's, it, 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 it happens too quick. Like, and no one, no other race has this um, energy because it doesn't matter like that, you know? So I think that's really the problem. I mean, and that's why I think it's probably harder for BAA to change much of it is because there, it seems like it's just so many people that are like very, their identity runs so deep into mm-hmm. like the fact that they worked harder to get there than anybody else, unless you're standing next to me in my corral. And everybody yeah. else that's not yeah. next to me does not deserve to be next to me. Which is the elitism that's like just the worst. And it's like the, yeah. rather than embracing, I think I know there are many of us who are like, oh, if I'm in this corral and you're in that corral, like we're both, I'm excited that you're here too and that we're running the race. I But there's also people who aren't that way. And they're like, oh, I'm at this corral. I'm better than these people. And you're like. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm at when, what I am at about and I will be very elitist about is if you are so not supposed to be in this corral, don't be in this corral. Like, <laughs> it's, I don't care. Like, I'm happy. I will. I will happily. Like, I'll turn around and put the metal on your neck. You know, but don't be in the corral running in front of people that are running way faster than you. It's not cool. That's it's annoying. Can I tell you a real, really funny story, really fast? Um, back in twenty, back in two thousand six, um, a buddy of mine. Have I told this story? He was a charity runner, and he's like, "No, can't run from the back." got to run from the front. So he photocopies a bib. Um, This is before stuff got really heated online. So photocopies a bib, puts it on a sweatshirt over his singlet with his charity bib. He's in the corral next to us and then starts to peel off his outer layer that's over his uh, fake bib. And it catches the fake bib and peels it up and shows his real bib. And so then this uh, official is like, excuse me, sir. Excuse me, son. And you know, this like 65, 70 year old Bostonian official is like, sir. <laughs> and my buddy just like, he's amongst the crowd. He just hits the deck. Like he goes <laughs> flat on the ground <laughs> to try to hide. And he w- wiggles his way out of the corral and gets onto the Hopkinton town green and just like runs away from the official. And we're like, well, see you later. Like, who knows? Um and then yeah, you turn up like for life if you get caught. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna get struck for life. Seven <laughs> uh seven miles into the race, like he comes up and like slaps me on the ass and is like, What's up? And we're like, How'd you he's like, Oh, I snuck back into this other corral and, uh, and I was like, so stressful. <laughs> Just like <laughs> That's hysterical. Um, yeah, exactly. Please give me his social security number. Uh I had one more comment about the working hard part. The thing about that is like Peter Bromka doesn't have to work hard to qualify for the Boston Marathon. You know what I mean? So like not everybody in that category. I'm just using you as an example. You know yes, what I mean? You can, run a, you can yeah. run a 229 marathon, running a three-hour marathon or 250 is not hard for you. So like that's all relative too when you when you think about it. Some of the people running Boston didn't work that hard to get there. I feel like Laura Green had an Instagram story about this one time that made a lot of sense. Yeah. Probably more yeah. sense than how I'm saying it. Yeah, no, I understand. I, I understand. I understand that maybe because I just because I just ran 250 on a day that I just didn't feel like like in my head I actually was thinking like I had a watch on and everything, but in my head I'm like this I'm not going to break three. And then yeah. I like come and I'm like okay, well, we're breaking three, I guess, you know. Um, but I think that that I mean that makes a lot of sense though. I mean because it to, for me to qualify at this point in my journey, um, 
I mean, I'm working hard to get to my number, but I'm not working hard to qualify for Boston. I understand and that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because some of the people that just ran, you know, you know a, guy, a guy that ran two fifty nine fifty, probably you know may have worked much harder than way me, harder. You know, team of things to get to, you know what I mean? Yeah. To to qualify, not to get to that number, because we were probably working the same to get to our numbers. Yes. For Boston, that was a bigger thing for him, you know. So yeah. I mean, I. I get that, especially for Peter. I mean, Peter like could apparently run like two fifteen sleep or something like that. Yeah. Lindsay already got canceled on this episode. So now, now she's coming for me. She's like, yeah. and "What about Peter?" Doesn't Peter? Even, he guys... doesn't even try for Boston, and then he just he writes about it like he's trying all hard. Yeah, stuff yeah. And he, he's all thinking about stuff. You know, Peter's got Peter's got time in the in in middle of Boston to be pointing at every person he knows and smiling. <laughs> What's That's called a jogging. That is you jogging Boston, Peter. I have a dream that we wake up on Boston. Now you're Martin Luther King? Jeez. <laughs> Jeez, bro. You, you, you two are just done. You two are just done. <laughs> I'm out. Oh. Um, I would love it if someday I've talked about if we woke up on Marathon Monday and it was 95 degrees and you're just like, no, we we can't try to run our hardest hardest and you know we've always talked about like on that day we would take a beer from all the college kids on down run along but that would be an exception people listened to this podcast and they're like well peter bromka told me i have to work hard no matter what at boston and then people like die because they're working hard you know what was it 2012 i was pregnant with my first and it was a really hot year you probably ran that year and Glenn was running and I was like, look, you better jog this marathon because I'm not about to have this baby and you be dead out on the Boston Marathon course because you tried too hard. It's really scary. I mean, I want to hear from Laura next time she's on uh, able to join about what uh, Twin Cities was like. The idea oh that, my gosh. you know, canceling races the morning of or I mean, the flip opposite would. Yeah. If they had run it and people are out there hurting themselves, that's not what we want. That's wild. It was yeah, like 80s, yeah. 80s in Minnesota. Yep. Black flag. And, it, Jeez. and it's the thing of like the predicted, you know, the forecast versus reality. Allison um, in Fast Women newsletter this morning was saying that it didn't end up being quite as bad as the forecast had said. Um, so thankfully, but also they canceled it because they're like, worst case scenario, you have people out there for hours under horrible conditions. So yeah, Boston has had a few of those years over the years where, you know, people are just stopping, jumping in like hoses and yes, uh, it's just ridiculous. I'm going to hide under the desk for when this episode yeah. comes out. <laughs> I'm not going to check my Instagram for five days. <laughs> well, you just invite fire by like, I'm going to make a reel about how the, the women's standards soft and then throw my phone I mean, in the garbage disposal. Oh, yeah. like, you yeah, Lindsay, you definitely are going to have to. You have know. you been on there? Have you? I don't know. Sandy has my phone right now. I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think it's safe to say though, like whatever, wherever you stand, unless you just say like, "Hey, I don't, I don't have an opinion at all." You're gonna get. You're gonna get something. I mean, I just feel like whatever, whatever's being said about it, as long as it's productive and like the 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 concept of moving it forward in some way, or like bullying the people that are bullying other people. You know, there's people that are there's people that are just straight up being like just mean about and have always been mean about it. You know, yeah. and I think that's the problem because if everybody was like, "Hey, man, are we," if everybody just was like, "Oh, I wish you could run too," you know what I mean? Um, right. I think it would be a different conversation. It's just it's the it's the two it's the it's the polar 
situation, the polarizing like effect of Boston. That's what it is because it's just too many people against each other as opposed to like, how do we make this work? You know, totally. And you guys, that reel, I just like saw someone else do a reel that said unpopular opinion. And I was like, what could I say that's an unpopular opinion? That music is good. And I was like, maybe this will blow up. And so I was like, I'll just put that on there. It was like one of those like, you know, those like social media Instagram people that are like, here, do this hook. Or, you know, that's like their business is like how to do social media. I like literally one of those accounts was in my um, explore feed. I clicked on it, saw that music, saw unpopular opinion. And I was like, all right, I'll just say this. <laughs> well, you did it. Wow. <laughs> you sure did it. Those, I'm proud those, of you. Uh, you, were, you woke up with gumption this morning. Those online <laughs> marketing people really know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Oh, oh, all right. Well, this is fun, everybody. Thanks for, yeah. thanks for joining. And thanks, um, Marcus, Tommy, and Peter, and Matt for, you know, I think it's good. We all have a little bit of a different opinion on all this. And I think it's good that we all can get together and productively talk about it it's been fun knowing you we Goodbye, internet uh, but can we just go back to the um the fireplace and like all like hold hands and sing kumbaya yeah. together now please kumbaya. and pretend this never happened <laughs> uh, fun times guys thanks a lot